Welcome to the Lessons Learned Podcast, a podcast reflecting on the lessons we've learned and those we're still in the process of learning. I'm Komal, your host. I'm an interviewer, investor, and someone who has lived a lot of life in a short time. I built this podcast as a place for us to reflect, to be together, and to learn from one another. Let's get into it. Welcome to today's episode of Lessons in Resilience. This episode matters a lot to me because my friend who we will be uh, chatting with today, Eddie Nadopu, is the true example of resilience embodied. I've had the pleasure of knowing Eddie now for over 12 years (laughs) and his advocacy and work in the world has just been immense and so powerful. And so it is my immense pleasure to welcome Eddie to In Resilience. Oh my God, Eddie! It's so good to see you. Hi, my friend. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you for your patience. I had some tech issues getting here, but we made it. How are you today? Oh my goodness! You know what, Komal? I just want to say this is a full circle moment for me um, because we've known each other for twelve years, and I have had a front row seat to your rise. And I just wanna say that you are such a beacon of light and inspiration for so many of us. And I am so proud to call you a friend. And so this this is a big moment for me, the fact that we're able to do this, it's, it's fantastic. Eddie, I cannot mirror your sentiment like to the nth degree because we got to see each other in our lives when we were trying to figure out how we were meant to show up and serve in the world what we were meant to do and serve in the world and to fast forward now 12 years and to see you being an sdg advocate one of 17 the youngest three days before your 30th birthday when you were told when you were a child when your mother was told when you were a child that you would not survive past the age of five my friend my like i just am so so immensely inspired and continue to be so so moved by your work your life and as i shared earlier your embodied resilience Mitch is downstairs. Oh. He says he has the biggest smile on his face as he's watching us catch up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I miss you guys so much. And, uh, you know, I think it's so funny how life can sort of join the dots for us because who would have known, Komal, that all those years ago in Ottawa, you know, coming of age, trying to figure out who we are, finding our place in the world, and then fast forward we get to have this conversation three days before my 30th birthday. And, you know, you're, you, you've entered your power years. You're in your thirties now and, and, and just kicking ass. And it, it's just, I, you know, I, I get to have this conversation with you and find out what your journey has been like. So, so I'm so thrilled. Thank you for having me. So Eddie, let's start at that space where, you discuss your life as the embodiment of possibility. Mm. Can you share with our audience today what that has meant or what that's looked like and why that has been your form of resilience and resistance in your body? Right. So, you know, 
I feel that I've had to carve out space in a world that has not been built for me in mind. You know, the 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 cards were stacked against me from from the very beginning. Um, diagnosed at the age of two with a degenerative condition that affects one in 11,000 babies and being told by the medical establishment that I won't live beyond the age of five. Um, and then, mind you, this is happening against the backdrop of Southern Africa um, on the cusp of a new political dispensation, both in Namibia and South Africa. Um, you know, there's political turmoil, there's uncertainty. Uh, my mom was a single parent at the time, a fearless single mother, and we had to fashion a life for ourselves from the stuff of neglect and isolation. And so, you know, the fact that I'm here today speaking with you is a testament to the forces of possibility. Um, I've since become the first African with a degenerative disability to graduate from Oxford. I do not intend to be the last, to borrow the words of Kamala Harris. Um, and I continue to have ambitions of, of wanting to defy gravity, wanting to be the first uh, disabled person in space as a symbol of possibility and as my love letter to the power of the human spirit. Um, and so all of these things, I think, speak to this idea that possibility is something that lives within us, right? It reverberates through the marrow of our bones. And so, you know, it, 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 it feels um, like there is some cosmic, um, you know, that the universe has conspired in my favor uh, to lead me up until this point. Um, and so that, that's really what I mean when I say that, that, that I feel as though I'm a living embodiment of possibility. Mm. And Eddie, you share very beautifully the way that your mother um, enforced for you and instilled in you this sense of possibility. Because as I've heard you say uh, on stage, 90% of folks living with disabilities often don't even see a classroom, yeah. let alone believe and are supported with such ambition and power and presence in the world. So can you share about the role your mother played in your becoming? Absolutely. You know, I firmly believe that the people in our lives who love us the most, they do the work of planting seeds of, of, of possibility so that we can blossom and, and, and become um, all that we are meant to be. And that was what my mom has done for me. And, and not as my mom, but really as another human being who, I think sees in my eyes the fullness of my humanity and really tried to live her life in, in service of having me see myself through the eyes that she sees me through, right? To see me as somebody that is deserving of all that life has to offer. And so 
that is the gift that that she has given me, you know, and on the eve of my 30th birthday, I cannot think of a better gift, right? The gift of having been the beneficiary of the kind of love that moves mountains, you know, the mm. kind of love that is able to plow through all of the institutional barriers, plow through all of the doubts and the assumptions and everything that's associated with what the naysayers have to say. That is what my mom has given me, um, you know, and, and, and so it, it, it just is astonishing to me um, that she was able to do that. And, and you know, I, I would not be who I am had it not been for that resolute belief um, in me and all that I could become. Mm. Here's to mothers who remind yeah. us of all we are capable of every step of the way. Wow, that is so amazing. So Eddie, you're gonna turn 30 soon. How yes. does this feel for you? How are you okay. celebrating? What are you doing? You know what, so a few things, and, and I actually wanna ask you, Como, what your words of advice and wisdom would be, because you turned 30, um, you're slightly older than me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, but for me, so I was gonna have a big, fabulous party this year. Um, I had been planning it in January and February. It was gonna be a destination party, in Mozambique and it was gonna be just fabulous with friends and I was just gonna get turned and it's just gonna be, I was gonna be burning rubber on the dance floor. Of course, um, the sky fell in March um, with COVID and so I had to pivot and I thought I was gonna have a very low key party but instead my friends have come together and they're organizing a virtual um, celebration over Zoom. Um, I'll have my balloons with me and my party hat and my glass of bubbly. And we'll be doing a virtual toast um, on Saturday evening and on Sunday. Um, and over and above that, I intend to hold space um, for deep reflection and deep gratitude. Um, and just think about what this means, you know? And, and I'd love to ask you because you're so incredibly incisive and, and, and just self-reflective. And I wanna know what, what did it feel like the next day when you mm -hmm. turned 30? Um, what did that mean to you? It was like uh, the parentheses on a decade. So it was like, what, what did 20 to 29 and 364 days, like what belonged to that decade? Mm. And the day after 30, and there are some folks who, you know, they diminish these milestones. They're like, it's just another day. For example, when Mitch and I got married, some folks were saying, um, well, you live together already, like all these things, it's just another day. Yet for me, that milestone symbolized me, the first woman in my lineage, to choose my partner and not have an arranged marriage. So that marriage meant something beyond and so turning 30 for me, my mother had me at the age of 30. And I look at my life and I looked at hers and it was like this immense gratitude, again, for the possibility of what 
her birthing me, her, her giving life to me, gave me the opportunity to do in 30 years. So the next day, it did feel like a fresh chapter, a fresh page. And it felt like a lot of the pressure of the 20s was off. It was like, can't be on any 30 under 30 lists anymore. <laughs> can't, like all this expectation or just unnecessary social um, pressure that can come in our 20s, it felt alleviated. That being said, I feel like the 30s so far have been an immense like self excavation to mm -hmm. so say what truly am I who truly am I what am I truly here to embody and do and hold in the world and so the, I, I'm so I love self-reflecting around birthdays and so like mm -hmm. with these three days leading up I would love like I made lists of like what did my 20s hold like what did I do in my 20s and just wrote it out and it was like wow that's for me forever and now I get wow. to say, what what can I become even more of moving into this next decade? I love that. It really is. And, and that's how I felt, I think, this entire year. And of course, the pandemic sort of necessitated that space where I was able to really reflect on the last decade. And, and I'll know you, you will have an appreciation for this. Um, there's something particularly meaningful um, about reflecting on one's life when one has also had to live with chronic illness, with pain, with the sometimes the devastation associated with just waking up in the morning and just feeling the kind of exhaustion that cannot be swept away. You know, that kind of exhaustion that's like really chronic and palpable and to be able to still do stuff with one's life, to be able to still get through it. You know, it's not just the what in terms of what happens, but it's the how, right? The ability to have lived this life inhabiting the body that I inhabit. I think for me, there's a particular... I think appreciation for life, you know, that's so hard to capture, but, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's followed me. And now that I'm here, it, it, it's the most gratifying thing, right. To be able to be like, yeah, you know what? I did that. And I did that, you know, through the most difficult of days and through the most challenging of circumstances. Um, and, and I just feel so incredibly fortunate that I get to be able to reflect with that perspective in mind. So when you do consider being proud of yourself, what comes to mind of this last decade that you are most proud of yourself for, whether it's accomplishment, whether it is a smaller moments, whether it is like just what makes you proud of yourself and this last 30 years? I never gave up on myself. I didn't give up on myself. Um, I had some really dark days. I'm actually in the process of writing my debut memoir at the moment, which has been 
so exciting and so daunting. And I'm actually in the midst of doing that reflection work. And, and I realized that I did not give up on myself. I always, and I don't know where it came from, but I have always held on to an unshakable belief that I will not just be all right, but that I will thrive and that I will be phenomenal. And I use that and I tap into that and that, that sustained me through some of the most difficult um, days of my life. And so I'm proudest for that. Of course, you know, there are certain milestones, you know, um, being able to graduate, not just with one degree, but with two degrees, um, recognizing the awful statistics. And of course, behind these statistics are real people, uh, children, kids, black and brown kids in both the global north and the global south who've never been to school, right? It, it, to be able to have attained an education for myself is, has not just been a personal achievement. It's been a symbolic victory for, for my communities um, and for the people that I advocate for. Um, that's been a huge plus for me in the last decade. And then, of course, I mean, you said it at the top of the conversation, you know, to have received a call in Tell December. Tell us this whole story. This is so good. <laughs> like, I am so inspired and proud of you. And just the fact that I get to, like, you know, proximity to possibility, right? Like, this is, when I saw this announcement, I was like, yes, like, this is everything you're destined for is happening. So, yes, tell us the whole story. <laughs> it was huge. It was huge. I remember it was, it was a, a really hot and sticky evening. I it was around beginning of December of 2018. Um, and that was the year that I had devoted to healing, right? So Oxford was a hot mess. Um, in many ways, it, it was it was a proud moment, but it was also one of the most difficult times of my life. I ended up going through a revolving door of carers in and out, about 20 carers uh, in the span of like nine months. It, it, was, it was awful. And so um, 2018, I started that year, it was dedicated to healing. And so at the very end, in December, I received this call. Um, from the United Nations headquarters in New York. And, oh, it's even making me emotional. And, <laughs> and, and I get the call and they're like, um, it was the chief of staff to the secretary general, Mr. Antonio Guterres. And uh, the person with the French accent sort of says, he explains um, the, the programs. He's like, have you heard of the Sustainable Development Goals. I'm like, yes, I have. Um, and he's just like, you know, it's this really ambitious roadmap that 193 governments have signed onto. Um, everything from uh, tackling climate change to eradicating poverty, you name it. It's, it's that ambitious agenda. And he's like, um, you know, we've got um, a, a high level group of advocates, uh, goodwill ambassadors, um, you know, and the group is chaired by the Prime Minister of Norway, the President of Ghana, Forrest Whitaker is in there, Jack Ma is in there, 
um, you know, really Nobel laureates, heads of state, um, and we would like you to work with us. And so at first, I, I didn't get it. I was just like, oh my God, I would love to consult for you. Of course, I'd be happy to share my thoughts. And like, no, 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 Mr. Ndoku, we want you to be one of the 17 advocates personally <laughs> appointed by the Secretary General. And my mind was blown. I was just like, what? And it, it took a while, you know, because I think Como, the other thing that I'm only beginning to learn now, and I'd love your thought on this, is just like, I, I, I felt uncomfortable stepping into the magnificence and the power of, of that role. You know, I, I was completely, you know, I, it, it was, forget imposter syndrome. It, it was more than that. I think it was just an inability to wrap my mind around the fact that I could occupy a position of leadership on a global stage and influence the world. You know, it, 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 we dream of these things and then when they happen, it's kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can do this. So literally, I think the week after, um, I, I was, you know, I was speechless and then, you know, I, I didn't know whether um, I, I could do this. And then, you know, when I flew to New York a couple of months after and I met everybody for the first time on the 38th floor of the UN building overlooking New York and, and there were, you know, the mahogany table and the chandelier and, you know, all 17 of us and there was me. I, it, it was such a surreal moment and I needed to remind myself that I deserve to be here and not just that, you know, the, the, the Maya Angela quote that Oprah quotes that, you know, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. I needed to remind myself that this is not just about me. I'm bringing in so many voices that have gone unheard. And it is my moral obligation to get comfortable and, and, and sort of shake my shoulders and really just immerse myself in this position. So it, it was a trip, um, Como, but it, it, it you know, um, and, and then of course, when I, when I listened to your podcast and you spoke about interviewing Michelle Obama, everything that you shared, I resonated with so deeply. And, you know, and, and I was just like, oh my goodness, like, like this, this, this is it, you know, there are so few examples out there, but, but this is it. And, and so, yeah, I, I resonated with you and lessons learned, got me through it and still does. And, and that's what I sometimes refer back to when I'm about to meet some powerful person and, and, and do this work. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Eddie, that's so beautiful. And it's like, also a slice of my heart to know that I got to be there in a in some form with you because when that when I saw the announcement it was like you need to know that for everyone around you it was like this is where Eddie belongs like oh. this is what makes sense this is who he has been his entire life and 
thank thank the Lord that the world is recognizing this because as you said like it's not just about thriving it is you embody what it means to truly thrive for a phenomenal life and to show others what possibility is and we keep coming back to this concept of possibility because again from the moment I met you in Ottawa all those years ago it was like this constant reminder of all we can hope to become in life Mm. And, and I feel the same about you, Kamal. <laughs> I felt the same about you. No, truly, I remember, um, you might forget this, but we were, we had just done interviews for the Global Shapers um, community. I was thinking about my, this this morning. Oh, my goodness. And you would, and, and I remember um, just your warm embrace. And I just thought like, oh my goodness, this woman is a badass. And, you know, I, I just felt such a kindred spirit connection. And it's never, it's, it's never, it's never left me, you know. And, and I think that's what I'm realizing now, the older I get, is that we meet people in our lives who offer that inspiration and that stays with you forever you know what i mean to be able to be to be able to be touched by somebody who's living their truth who's unapologetically ambitious who is really pushing themselves and pushing the boundary of what's possible it feeds your own sense of ambition right like it, it's sort of this positive um uh, uh sort of multiplier effect where, where the more of that you get the more of that you consume the more of that you want to be, right? Mm. The more that you want to be. And and so that's so wild that you were thinking about that because I, I've, I've forgotten it. I, we, like we got to spend like, I don't even remember, like a half hour, 45 minutes just on that stoop together. And it was kind of one of those first moments where we really got to know each other. And we were both yeah. also really nervous because it was like, yes. I don't know how it went, like what is going on? And then like to say, I was so appalled at that point that you didn't join us in that first yeah. class with the Shapers. Yeah. And when, like, just throughout, when, when that happened, I was like, that selection committee was out to lunch because clearly they didn't know, they didn't fully understand the power of the person in front of them. And again, everybody, we're getting very, like, in our details, but we also haven't caught up in so long. So this is like a catch up. I know. <laughs> but Eddie, so when, when I, I, I want to, because when I was thinking of the concept of, or like the title for our conversation, embodied mm. resilience is what came to my heart because of how all you are in the world and how you show up. So we'll start with this question. As you look to this next decade, because you're going to turn 30 this weekend, what are you most excited about with the future and with all that's ahead for you? The tw your 20s have encapsulated so many milestones. Um, and now when you look forward, what calls you forward? What is that thing that's pulling you forward in your activism, in your life, and in your work? Oh, such a good question. Um, you're pretty amazing at this, by the way. Um, I, I said it, and I want it on record. I've said it, y'all. Komal is the Krista Tippett of this generation, for reals. So I'm just putting it out there. But um, in terms of what I look forward to this decade, you know, 
I really feel called to really sharing my thought leadership on, on a global platform and, and speaking to audiences um, around the world. And hopefully we'll be able to get to a point where we can fill stadiums again and, and fill large halls. Um, but if not, there's still other ways of, of, of getting messages out there. But I want to be able to speak to people at a larger scale and, and really connect with them and, and, and to be in conversation and share what I have learned, right? And, and so I think that will take the form certainly of, 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 of my book. And, and I hope that I could sort of carve out a career for myself as a memoirist and, and, and talk about all of the um, intimate and varnished moments in my life where I emerged on the other side of that feeling stronger and more resilient and more empowered. So it really is about being a sweet inspiration for people, but not in a superficial way, in a really deep and meaningful sense and, and, and having that be disseminated on, 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 on a global stage. Um, I think also I am looking forward to You know what? To just being a badass in every sense of, to, to really just take up as much space as I possibly can, and in so doing, creating space um, for folks to occupy. Um, and I mean that literally, and I mean that figuratively. I I mean that also in terms of you know venturing out into space. Um, you know, quite literally. So I think it's really about demonstrating for the world that regardless of who you are or where you come from, we possess enormous capacity for brilliance um, and, and for magnificence. And so I want to be able to use my life as a point of reference for people to go after the grandest, biggest version of themselves that awaits them. And then not to accept anything less than spectacular for themselves. You have filled up my cup 10 times over in this conversation. <laughs> and I honestly, I'm like, can we just keep talking? But we're already five minutes over time. And that just like, goodness. But to, to this point that you shared around going to space, can you share with everyone watching this big, incredible dream that, I know is going to happen in your 30s. So I'm just affirming it for everybody watching. That, but you, you tell, let everyone know the seed for this yeah. dream and what, is, what this dream is for you. No, thank you for that. From your lips to the ears of the universe. Um, the dream basically is to, um, it, it, it's to push the boundaries of equality in space by becoming the first disabled Black man to be in space um, and, and you know, people are like, oh, well, why space? Like, why do you have to do that? And I'm kind of like, it, 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 it's, it's a symbol. It, it, it is a marker of, again, possibility, the theme that runs through our lives. Um, and so that's the idea, the idea. And then to be able to deliver an address to the United Nations from space 
and beam that message into the General Assembly. Um, and again, it's, it's my love letter for humanity. It's, it's my love letter for people like you and me who the world didn't bet on initially. It's to be able to sort of say that like, look, look what is possible when we invest in people. Look what is possible when we lift people up and when we amplify the voices of people that we think don't really have much to say. Look at what can be said um, from the edge of the planet. Um, so that is, that is my dream and I am with you that it's gonna happen in my 30s. <laughs> yes, and again, the affirming. It's like not only when folks amplify, but when they listen. Yeah. When folks listen to this dream and when folks listen to like I I can I feel it, I know it. I can't wait for that day. I will be tuned in. I will be like right just I can feel it in my whole being. So yeah. <laughs> I, I can I just say I want you, Como, I want you to interview me after because no and, and I'm I am putting it on record now because I know you're gonna be in demand girl. And so <laughs> I, I want you to be there and, and to just, you know, help me share this story with the world because you're one of the best storytellers of this generation. Oh, Eddie. Oh, goodness. You see, <laughs> this is the thing about possibility, too, and being around folks who dream and who see their own possibility and see their own phenomenalness is you can see it for the person in front of you. And mm. I want us to continue to amplify that possibility for each other indefinitely. And Absolutely. so many folks, as cities are going back into lockdown now, we're going into the second phase of whatever is ahead of us. They may be feeling broken. There might be some watching who are just feeling like possibility is too far, too far of something to latch onto right now. What advice or words do you have for folks who just need to be reminded, uh. need to be reminded of what it can look like to dream again, even in the circumstances we're in? Well, the first thing I would say, Komal, is that possibility isn't something that we chase after. It is the force and the divinity that lives within us. We are possibility, we are the possible. And just the ability to wake up, notwithstanding the difficulties and the challenges, the ability to open our eyes and take a breath, that is worthy of celebration. That is worthy of honor. And so the first thing, the fact that we are here matters. And, and you know, it's not even cliche, right? Like the, the fact that you know, I, I, the other day, I just, it struck me that, like, you know, um, there's only one of us on the planet, you know, and, and it, it seems so obvious, but when you really think about that, that there's no one else that's inhabiting the body that you inhabit, that's breathing the way you breathe, that's living the life that you're living right now, that that is extraordinary. It's extraordinary, and, and it, it's just phenomenal, and so... That is how we harness possibility, I think, through that fundamental recognition that who we are, showing up in the world, living the lives that we live, that that is 
fantastic. And, and, and so that is the place from which to operate. And so that would be the first thing that I would say, because I think that we, we, we don't show ourselves enough tenderness and enough warmth and enough generosity. And so when we show ourselves that kindness, I think we free ourselves um, to be able to just live out loud in a really full and meaningful way. Let's all sit with that as we wrap this up. Thank you so much, my friend. I love you so dearly. And I'm so glad we finally have done this. And I can't wait to interview you for your book. And yes. you're back from space. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's going to be epic. I need to start planning my outfit and everything. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you for this, my friend. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Y'all, Eddie is just such a force such a powerful being in this world and someone who I am so blessed to call my friend, a co-conspirator. Just, he is, he reminded me of what's possible today. And so I hope you were able to also remember what is possible for you in your life today. Thank you everyone for tuning in. This was our conversation on embodied resilience and embodied potential. Remember all that you're capable of, all that's within you that is calling you forward and tune into it. Let yourself lean into possibility. Until next time, we'll see you next week for Lessons in Resilience. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to follow me, Komal, check me out on Instagram at K-O-M-A-L-M-I-N-H-A-S or the show at LessonsLearned.co. And if you have an idea of a lesson that we should dive into on the show, then slide into our DMs and submit there or on the website, along with any guests you think I should interview and talk all of the things with. As always, I hope that you make some time for you this week and reflect on the lessons you're learning or have learned and take some time to celebrate all the incredible that is you. Until next time, guys. Bye.